0: We live in a world that is forever changing, from one day to the next. Now add to that an inner world that is forever at odds with itself. How does one accomplish anything when the only thing that is certain is uncertainty? Welcome to the Lifting with Bipolar podcast, the show designed to be an educational safe haven offering real-world solutions for real-world people. My name is Jonathan Sharko. Living with Bipolar One in today's world is a double-edged sword but I'm here to work through it with you. Let's get right into today's episode. righty, folks, welcome to another episode of the Lifting with Bipolar podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Sharko, and I'm very excited to have a cross-country connection with my man, Andrew, here today. Lucky to have him in the studio with us today. Uh, we'll just kind of jump right into it. We're going to have a free-flowing conversation. Some of the topics, just for those tuning in, we're going to cover like mental health hospitalizations, which is important, um, which is something I think both Andrew and I have been through, which is Something that's not talked about, which should be talked about. Um, some other topics we're going to touch on are growth and a great acronym that my man Andrew has that he kind of utilizes every day, which is RAG, Routine, Awareness, and Gratitude. So uh, I'm going to throw the microphone over to you, Andrew. Kind of maybe introduce yourself, let the people know who you are, man.
1: Okay. So uh, my name is Andrew. I'm diagnosed bipolar one with psychotic tendencies, PTSD, and uh, OCD. Um, damn, so much. Um, I'm a third-five high school counselor. I'm also living sober. I want to say I'm around 650 days right now. Um, I've been diagnosed since September of 2016, so just shy of seven years. So definitely lots of stories to tell. Looking forward to being here with Jonathan and telling some of them.
0: Yeah, no, I'm really thankful to have you on. I think me and you can kind of both relate. Uh, I've had some previous guests who are mainly bipolar too, but I myself am bipolar one. I've had some uh, some psychotic symptoms with hospitalizations I can kind of think of before in the past. So I can totally relate to that. And yeah, I've kind of transitioned into living a sober life myself. So um, yeah, I'm glad we can connect. So let's kind of open up with maybe our, we'll just go into the 20 questions here. So um, I'll, I'll, maybe we can go about kind of rip off some of our experiences with being hospitalized. We can kind of go back and forth. But uh, Andrew, maybe can you share some of your experiences with mental health hospitalizations?
1: So... I've been hospitalized three times. Um, the first time was, again, in September of the 2016, a uh, full-blown manic episode, my first one. Then about six months later, I think it was February of 2017, uh, I was hospitalized for suicidal ideations. Um, and then after that, most recently, my third one was, damn, um, August of 2021. So j- just approaching, uh, two years. Um, so just to hit all of them right now, um, the very first one, and that was just a shock for everybody. Um, you know, probably reflecting back, my onset was probably around 16 or 17 years old. Um, the doctors thought, uh, I was, uh, they diagnosed me with Epstein-Barr, which is just like a more serious form of mono. So... Mm-hmm you know, I kind of always thought that my, you know, my lethargy or just the way I operated was because of that. And, uh, so I remember saying to my older brother being like, you know, it's like the best I've ever felt for a week. And then the worst I ever felt for two weeks. And I actually said that verbatim to him when I was around 17 years old. And sure enough, you know, what, what was it? 10 years later or so. You know, if not even more than that, 10 or 12 years, you know, I was diagnosed bipolar 1 with psychotic tendencies. But uh, that first hospitalization, man, I could talk about it forever. Um, It was, I was everywhere in the state of Florida, um, from Tampa to Miami to, you know, the Sarasota area to pretty much everywhere, you know, and it ended up being September 11th. You know, ironically, not ironically, but, you know, terrible timing. I was at an airport and uh, just full psychotic break. And uh, just certain things that happened during that time, you know, uh, still to this day, I question if it even really happened. And a lot of people felt that, you know, things didn't happen. But even in my heart to this day, you know, I I do feel like certain things did happen. Um, But yeah, it was... You know, long story short, you know, I get into a a hotel room and uh, I call my sister when I get in, you know, the cops that dropped me off at this hotel and uh, I get into this hotel room and something told me to call my sister and I call my sister, I have a heart to heart with her and she said, you need to call your wife, okay, you need to call your wife, Ashley. And uh, I called her and she started probing me with different questions. And uh, one of the questions was, can you tell me where you're at? Can you tell me the address of where you're at? I looked everywhere and I couldn't tell her. And everybody knows that's been in a hotel room. There's books everywhere. There's pamphlets everywhere. You know, and I flat out asked her, you know, am I God? You know, I truly believed in my heart that I was God. And, uh. You know, would never against my worst enemies. You know, have have them feel what I felt. You know, that just the scariest moment of my life. And uh, about an hour or so later, she came w- with my father-in-law. They picked me up, and you know, they they put. I was hospitalized for about a week or so. So mm-hmm. that, that was that was the first time, and uh, yeah, definitely uh, memorable for uh, good and bad reasons.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Do you have any, like, recollection? I know sometimes when I think back to, like, my episodes and my hospitalizations, sometimes my memory is just fuzzy. I don't know if you ever have, like, a kind of fuzzy memory or things like that. Is that kind of something that you've been through? I'm just I'm just kind of digging for my own personal curiosity. So if anybody out there can relate.
1: nah, I, honestly, I remember about 95%. Um, okay. Yeah, I, uh, just details that I don't even want to remember. Um, yeah. Just being you know, in the hospital, I remember my intake just being put in the room with other people just like me um diagnosed or not um yeah i just details man you know i details you know and uh being being in the in the main unit and just you know having to survive having to survive on your own and you know it's it's a moment where you're extremely weak and you're extremely vulnerable and you know you have to come out of that and you have to survive you have to protect yourself so you know it was about a week of that. So,
0: yeah. How did the process go for you? I know kind of when I was my first hospitalization, I was definitely kind of resistant. I've been hospitalized a couple of times too. I think, I, I don't know, maybe we can talk about your other hospitalizations too, but did does it kind of get easier? Like the later hospitalizations, you kind of just kind of maybe take advantage of the resources or really kind of the time and kind of um, I, I know I kind of really invested myself and in like, I know there's like when I was in hospitalization, there was like group therapy, which mm-hmm. we would do. And then there was like activities and then you'd talk with one-on-one with like a psychiatrist and stuff like that and your other people. And mm-hmm. I just had more of an open mindset, like my later hospitalizations. I think my first one, I was just really resistant and just like, nah, dog, I don't belong in here. This isn't me. You guys got it all wrong. And you're trying to put me on these medications and some of those things. And I just kind of, uh, kind of stumbled. It wasn't really like the best way for me to, but Compared to my other hospitalizations, I don't know if you have the similar boat, but like it was just like night and day. Like I really got I really got the hospitalizations were like a great source for me. And I was really able to kind of get uh, better and better and kind of really I don't want to say maybe just my personal experience to kind of bounce back a little faster and a little stronger and kind of uh, really take advantage of it. Did you have that kind of maybe the same kind of comparisons between maybe your first and maybe your kind of later hospitalizations that you went through?
1: I was probably reverse. Um, I was more more open in the beginning because I knew something was wrong. And then I remember having a conversation, man. I see his face in my, in my head. I forgot his name, but he told me, he looked at me dead in, dead in the face. He was like, you want to get out? You need to do everything that's afforded to you right here. You have to go to all the groups. You have to go to all, everything. If you want to get out, that's what you need to do. Um, I, I mean, I was more open to it my first time because I was, uh, I really want to educate myself. Um, I really wanted to know what was wrong. You know, I, I, To this day, I remember um, just having that sit down with uh, the psychiatrist in the unit and just letting me know, you know, this is your diagnosis. And she explained everything, so much respect, you know, given to me and just explaining the details. And, uh, you know, I I was definitely more open the first time. The second time, six months later, man, I was a zombie. Mm -hmm. Um, No plan. But uh, honestly, I slept for about 20 hours a day. Um, I was, I was there for about probably five or six days. Um, and then I, I haphazardly did, I really could care less as I wanted to sleep. I was actually pretty damn annoyed that they were waking my ass up all the time that they were. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, that was, that was tough. I was, I was in a rough state after that for about two and a half, three years, if not more. Um and then things got better you know got into a groove a lot of different things in my life changed and then probably the most impactful to me well no I take that back the most impactful hospitalization was my last one um, okay I was beyond angry because I felt like I was doing everything right um you know just everything on point on point and you know I really learned to be humble. And, uh, respect, you know, I always talk about, you know, in my reels to, uh, respect the power, you know, that, uh, these, that different diagnoses has over me and, and that hospitalization was a lot. There was a lot of soul searching invo- involved in that one. And, and like I just said, for me personally, that was without a doubt the most impactful for me. And then afterwards, just, I looked about, I looked at it totally different, you know, uh, just, you know, my P's and Q's being more on point, you know, now having two kids. You know, my my son was just born. He was born in April and I was hospitalized in August. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot. You know, you throw kids into the mix, totally different element, man. Totally different yeah. type of motivation. And, and I'm not saying people without kids don't have motivation, but just for me personally, you know, the way that I raise, the things that I've been through you know, a boy and a girl, there's no greater motivation than that.
0: Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good. That's very relatable. I don't have children myself, but it's kind of uh it makes me have a lot of respect for you. I mean, you're bringing another life in this world. So it's like the fact that you want to get your P's and Q's in order for them is a lot. Cause you know, we can go the other way and not a lot of people in the world can want to do that. Not a lot of people care. So I really appreciate and respect that for your brother. So mm-hmm. um, what what's maybe come to some of some advice would you give to some people with hospitalizations? Like, uh, Maybe somebody's on the fence thinking about going or maybe they just kind of I mean, they're, you know, what kind of advice maybe would you just open it and give to somebody who would uh, maybe hesitant to seek help or maybe even consider being hospitalized? I i think for me, I think the first time,
1: you know, my wife and my father in law knocking on the door and just looking at me and my wife said to me, you know, we we need to go, you know, we need to go to the hospital. And it, it was a it was this moment, you know, like shit, she's right. It was this, uh, you know, this, this heavy feeling inside that, you know, you need to do this for yourself and on and all your loved ones around you. Um, the, the second time I, I sort of knew, I knew, oh, I knew days before I even went to the doctor's appointment that I was going to be hospitalized. Um, I just know I needed to be open and honest Um, and the third time is probably the time I was most resistant. Like I said, I was angry as beef, man. Like it it was really, really bad. I was, I've probably never been that angry before in my life. Um, but I really swallowed it and I went in and that's why I was very resistant you know, probably the first half that I was there. But just coming to terms with, you know, you're in there for a reason. You know, and and that's why there's you know I've had great experiences with, you know just the workers, you know the consumers in in the, in the building that were just phenomenal. You know I always remember, you know their faces and some of them I remember their names. So you know you just gotta be open to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember, I'm thinking about my hospitalizations too. It's like, I remember everybody's face. I'm terrible with names, but I remember everybody's face and kind of how they were and kind of their energy and just sitting down in between classes and talking to people from all walks of life. And I still think about those people sometimes when I'm kind of in my own thoughts and just saying, I wonder where they are. I hope they're doing well because at that point where all our paths kind of cross at not an ideal place. This isn't like the the place you really want to go to meet people per se, but I mean, there's still good, there's still great people there. There's still people from all walks of life and you really kind of see firsthand like how this kind of disease can kind of really touch everybody it doesn't discriminate Um, you could be you could be you know a ceo of a company you could be somebody from another walk of life it doesn't matter it doesn't care who you are but it's really kind of um, it's pretty unique how it really touches everybody's lives and kind of brings you in the room and really humbles you and kind of makes you want to grow and Um, can you maybe talk about maybe a transition into growth? Like, I mean, we talked about the hospitalizations, but like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be some significant growth here for you. So maybe, maybe you can kind of touch on maybe like one moment in your life where you kind of experienced some significant growth.
1: Um, you know, I'll, I'll go a little backwards, um, before, well, after I believe my onset. So let's say 17 years old, it was just shy of my, uh. Now I've been, I've been reflecting back on and these times of my life. You know, I was, I just turned 19, you know, my mom and my sister, uh, they dropped me off in, uh, in, uh, South Miami. You know, I went to school down in Miami all by myself. You know, my mom helped me out and paid $1,400 security deposit and first rent. And it was on me to make it happen. It was on me to, you know, I had no car um you know go to school you know at the university of miami um a top elite institution um it was just so much character that first year you know i had no car i worked i walked about four miles every day you know just to and from back and forth to eat you know and just trying to survive on my own you know and Trying to make it work, you know, and if anyone knows, you know, Miami, you know, everybody thinks of, you know, the beautiful palm trees and, you know, but if you actually live in Miami and there are certain parts of Miami, you don't want to live in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember walking around with knives in my pocket, you know, walking by the drug house and, you know, seeing the corner and, and um, you know, the guy saying, nah, nah, you got to leave him alone. He's too big, you know, six or seven. Of them and I'm only one person. So, you know, just certain I I reflect back to that first year and and think to myself, you know, my point being is if I was diagnosed early in my life, I don't think I would have achieved, you know, what I have in my life. You know, my my two, you know, my bachelor's, my master's. I don't think I would have in my heart. I don't think I would have achieved that, you know, in that first year being in Miami, really a lot of character. You know, and I felt that, you know, if I could get through this, if I could go through this, you know, the sky's the limit for me. And that's what I proved to myself.
0: Nice, man. Yeah, very. uh, Honestly, it's very inspirational to hear how I I would consider you a high achiever. You know, I mean, you have your bachelor's, your master's, your high school counselor. Now you're kind of giving back to the next generation of people. You're a father now. So it's really inspirational to see how far you've kind of come since we've kind of opened up with what we kind of touched on earlier in our conversation. So. That. Yeah, that man i kind of know how it goes like just walking i mean some of those walks you just got nothing to do but you're thinking your thoughts and kind of you know you got to look over both shoulders at times and things like that so um but it really makes you grow and kind of humbles you and makes you build that character so um it's kind of i'm thinking for myself like my own th- kind of stories like kind of a similar boat just kind of going through um unfortunately i was uh, i went to jail um about twice and luckily i got through a program where it was like uh it's called the assisted outpatient treatment program, but the judge was kind enough to say, "Hey, we're going to give you probation." I had a manic episode; I was pretty violent and things like that. It's could have gone either way. They could have said, "Hey, no, we're not going to give you um, a leeway here." But uh, I didn't harm anybody. I just made threats and things like that, and it was just not in my best kind of mind state. So it just kind of opened up a little bit about myself. Like I just wasn't in my mind state. Um, but luckily, the judge was like, "Hey, we're going to give you." I remember I remember sitting in the courtroom, like the judge was like, "We're going to give you one last chance. We're going to put you on this program." You need to take advantage of every single resource and yeah i was living in like a seagull suites kind of like a day motel and um i was i was trying to finish up my degree and things like that walking to the bus stop and i was in downtown here in reno and i was like man i got to take the but they gave me a bus pass which was nice they gave me food stamps medic medicaid and all that kind of stuff which was nice so i was taking advantage of it but i was like man i gotta this is my last chance it's like a it's a thin line like i'm walking to the bus stop every day saying this could be me you know if like if i don't get if i don't really take advantage of these opportunities here. Um, this could be me in a couple of years and there's really no going back. So it's like uh, kind of had to do that trampoline effect and really kind of bounce back. So it's mm-hmm. nice of you that your mom kind of helped you out and put that deposit down and you kind of had those resources. And it's really good that you really took advantage of that kind of opportunity and really um, catapulted yourself to where you are too here today, brother. I'm really proud of you, man. So. Yeah, thank you.
1: Likewise, likewise, man. You know, and it's, uh, I know I put in the work, but I would be very, very wrong to, you know, not acknowledge people in my life that had my back, you know, through it all, you know, my parents, you know, siblings, you know, mentors, you know, I still talk to, you know, my mentor in high school, you know, I literally was just talking, just texting with her. I was, you know, one of my football coaches, you know, basketball, you know, I, you know, I appreciate and I gravitate towards those people because, you know, and now and Now in my life, I'm that person for my students. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I know I put in the work, but, you know, like I just said, I'll be wrong to not recognize those people as well.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of a, a little bit of a full circle moment. You've kind of gone through some things and now you're kind of coming back and now you can kind of look back to your early mentors and they can kind of witness and see your growth. And I'm sure it makes them so proud to see kind of what you're doing today. So kind of touched on a little bit of gratitude. Is that that kind of maybe one of your forms of maybe how you practice your gratitude? I know we're kind of talking about the RAG acronym. Maybe you can kind of talk about RAG and maybe that last one for G.
1: Yeah. um, Gratitude probably happened after my last hospitalization. You know, I was, um, I don't know the word. It was, uh, I I was, you know, one of my aunts said to me that, um, you know, I'll never forget this conversation with her on the phone. You know, I'm driving from work. I I just got back from leave and I was in work, um, driving home. And uh long story short, she said to me, you know, you're talking about all these people, you know, in your life, this, that, and the other. You know, what is Andrew gonna do for Andrew? You know, and, and what is what are you going to bring to the table now? You know, essentially you know, shut the hell up. You know, you got to make changes now for you. You know, yeah, you did a lot prior to, but now something happened. You have to readjust. Um, and i always remember that conversation. You know, that was a, a big moment for me. Um, and I knew I needed to do things different. And, you know, being grateful for everything that I have. You know, my mom always instilled in me, you know, there's always someone out there with bigger and worse problems than you ever have. Um So that's definitely something that I live with. That's something I believe in. Um, But, you know, when it came to, you know, being grateful and and bringing everything to the next level, you know, I took on sobriety. Um, Never in a million years, dude, did I ever think that I I would be living sober. Um, And it's a struggle for me, you know, even right now in this moment. You know, I'm home by myself right now. Nobody would know, you know. Nobody would know anything right now. Um it, it's a it's a struggle, you know, but you know, like I said earlier, I don't know my exact days right now. I'm probably six fifty plus or something like that. I'll be two years August sixth. Um actually the last beer I ever had was days before my last hospitalization. So that's where I know it's mm-hmm. in that range. Um just being grateful for all my blessings, man. You know, I just you know, I have a great career, beautiful wife, beautiful kids, you know, beautiful home. You know, what the else <laughs> What else do I want? You know, and uh, yeah. they're grateful and humble for all that.
0: Mm-hmm. Bro, like it's funny. It's funny you had a family member who said that because I remember vividly my brother telling me, sitting me down, saying there's always going to be somebody that has it better than you. There's always going to be somebody that has it worse for you. So stop comparing yourself to other people and just be grateful for what you do have. And mm-hmm. um, that's kind of like really a big part of my routine right now is like practicing gratitude in the morning, like waking up every day um, and thinking of thinking, thinking of something I'm really grateful for and really just honing in on that and saying, man, and just really focusing and not really thinking about other things, distracted and some of those things. But um, congratulations on your almost com- coming two years of sobriety, man. Have you noticed a connection between maybe like, a bit, like living a sober life and maybe some of the symptoms and maybe some of the, you know, kind of um, flare ups. Cause I've been, I've been sober for a little while now and I've noticed like a, a correlation for me personally with my experiences. Like I think when I relapse with my drug of choice was cannabis, when I relapse with cannabis, then that's when I can kind of get manic. It might not happen right away for me personally, but if the more I use, it can kind of, kind of sneak up on me and creep up on me and then I can have an episode again. So is, is, is my kind of being sober, having any relation to just, um, having some stability with your mental health right now?
1: Um, like I said, man, I'm really struggling with it right now, um
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, um yeah, it's just a struggle, but and you know, I remember my wife said to me once that, and I agreed with her, you know, as I started tapering off of it, you know a few years back, my symptoms were expressing more and more, um gotcha, so almost pretty much you know alcohol you know, was was masking everything else that was going on. It was my my number one coping skill. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's hard for me in the sense that, you know, like I just said, no one's home, everyone's asleep. You know, I'm big into UFC. You know, that that's me time, mm-hmm. you know, just to, you know, watch the fight late at night. But I was always used to having a beer, you know, and, and like, you know, just coming to terms with, you know, just – gotta go a different route now, you know, and, and as hard as for me to say right now, you know, I can't just have one beer, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, never again, I don't believe in saying never, but right now in this moment, yeah. you know, it's just not the option for me.
0: Yeah. No, I like being real, with the honest with yourself. I'm kind of the same with, with myself. Like, I, I don't like to say never can, like I can possibly relapse, but right now, like, in this, just taking it one day at a time. And that's kind of I think how I've been able to shrunk it together because I hate when, I say things, and I, you know, finite. Like we don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. I don't know what's gonna happen to me personally if I'm ever gonna relapse again. But I know with the state of mindset set right now, and kind of the routine I built, and kind of the coping, the new coping skills I have with my therapist has kind of taught me, and some other outlets that I have now. It's really been able to kind of ease it, and then yeah, like as you kind of grow older, you kind of have more to lose in a sense. And I feel like I personally have more to lose now. I just got married recently. Um, I have, you know, um, some other things like that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. So it's just amazing. It found a partner similar, similar boat as you, a beautiful wife. Uh, thinking back to these, you know, some of the times in a hospital or in a jail cell, you know, on 23 hour lockdown and isolation, I was like, I didn't think anything was possible. So it's like really nice to kind of be grateful, practice that attitude of gratitude and just be thankful for what you do have. And then at the same time, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's like, well, Now that I have these things, like you can easily, after you've kind of gone through loss and some of the trauma and some of those things, you understand how fast some of these things can be ripped away from you. So, um, for me personally, that's just like motivating to kind of stay on the straight and narrow and kind of stay sober, take my medications, do the therapy, do the things, do put in the work. And because a lot of this stuff, it's, it's really, it's really kind of, um, it's really amazing. And some, and some of these things I didn't think I would really enjoy in life or really appreciate. So, um, Right now you're kind of on summer break. What's kind of been your routine like? I mean you're out of, you're out of school, you're not really working near nine to five and stuff like that. Like what's what's kind of something that you're really up to right now? So
1: you know, every and I said this before, you know, everybody thinks, Oh, you're you know, you're an educator, you got two months off. It's not like that for me. And summers, you know, as we know, especially those diagnosed mm-hmm. bipolar one, you know, it's a danger zone. Um yeah. for me, you take away my normal routine, then for me, that's my base, you know, what do I got, um, so I'm off for about, this is my second, the end of my second week, I go back July 17th, I think, so let's say five-ish weeks, um, just staying busy, you know, staying productive, um, my wife has a lot going on right now, so just supporting her in that realm, um, you know, and this week, I, uh, did a lot of work outside on our, our patio. Um, just pressure washing, you know, just, you know, just projects, projects that take time that need to get done. And then I actually, a, a big step for me, something on, on my bucket list is that uh, I joined the boxing gym. Um, nice. that's something I've wanted to do ever since I was a little kid. Um, you know, football and basketball sort of took the reins on that, but you know, I need I need to be more active, man. You know, I, I lost about 35 pounds, you know, I gained some bag about ish. you know, you know, I got goals, you know, I always have goals and, you know, boxing is a uh, definitely something that I'm into. So, uh, you know, just, you know, the next goal trying to go full reign at it, man.
0: Yeah. No, man. Yeah. Congratulations on your weight loss. I mean, I know it's, if that, if that was your goal specifically to lose weight, I mean, congratulations. I know it's always healthier to do that, or maybe if it was just a byproduct of what you were doing, but. Now, um, I need
1: to do more. I need to do more, man. It's not good enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I think uh, I remember I had a, a counselor I was in like a I was in Las Vegas when I was going through some things and I was like I had like a public health like a social worker who was a former boxer who was working in mental health and he was just telling me, you know, maybe you need to get into boxing. It's really keeps you mentally sharp and just kind of keeps you in a routine and a pattern and just kind of that rhythm and it's kind of uh it's kind of um uh, what am I looking for the word here? It's Arctic. just kind of yeah it's, kind of, yeah, it's kind of melodic a little bit. It's just very like just rhythmic and things like that. And you can kind of get in a flow and just get in that. I think the the flow state of mind really good. So I'm really glad you found that outlet, man. I'm going to keep in touch with you and see how that's going. I might have to get in the boxing gym myself, man. So um, <laughs> definitely, definitely. You, yeah, so it maybe it may kind of touches on our last topic for today is maybe awareness. So like, uh, let's see here. In what ways maybe do you foster some like, self-awareness? Or maybe we can just talk about awareness in general. I know that's kind of the middle point. We kind of did it out of order of the, the RAG acronym of uh, routine, awareness, and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can kind of touch on and elaborate on what awareness means to you.
1: Um, you know, I'm very in tune. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm constantly educating myself. Like, is always paying attention to my triggers, always... Just paying attention to my surroundings is more than just you know seeing who's behind you. It's just the environment that you're always in. Um, you know, just walking into a room and and being able to feel it out. You know, if something doesn't seem right, you know you you have to adjust. You know, you can't put yourself in a negative situation. Um, but it's just something, and I think I think for me being a being a high school counselor, it's something that. Like a kid walks in my room, I I automatically feel their vibe. Um, it's something mm-hmm. that I, I have to be good at. I have to practice every single day. So if I could do that in a professional setting, why can't I do that for myself outside of it? So, um, you know, just, you know, definitely just paying attention to all that. You know, I know it seems, you know, cliche, but, you know, we got to pay attention to everything around you. And I know that's... That sounds like a tall task, but, you know, just paying attention. If I was more self-in-tune to my body and and everything around me earlier in my recovery, you know, I would have known a lot more. I would have figured a lot of things out. But, you know, I guess that's what growth is called.
0: Yeah. No, I think it all kind of ties in together. Just having a routine, having practicing that self-awareness. Um, and it just kind of leads to, you know, practicing gratitude and at the ultimate, at the end of the day, just building character and just growing and a, really evolving as a person every day. So something you you just touched on earlier, which made me was thinking of, um, was maybe how it kind of heats up in the summertime. I was thinking about my kind of patterns of routines. Like every time I went to jail or was a hospitalized, it was always like August or September, like mm-hmm. something, something about the month of like April and May, like when the summer, you know, I don't know when the, when the world kind of tilts a little bit is when my, uh when my kind of mania kind of picks up, is that kind of a pattern that you've noticed for yourself too?
1: Oh, absolutely. My, my two hospitalizations, you know, you mentioned August and September. I mean, one was in August, one was in September. And that's why I said to me, you know, we're in June right now. So me being off, like I have to be on point, my P's and Q's every single day, Mm -hmm. because I know what's, I know what could happen later on. And, you know, like I talked about before, you know, my last hospitalization, you know, I have to respect it, you know, as, as on um, point as I am, as on um, point that you are, and you know, people just like us, you know, this shit is stronger than us. So, you know, if you yeah. don't respect that, then you're going to continue to fall on your ass and continue, and continue and continue. And, you know, will I fall again? Probably, but I ain't going to fall that many times. So, and I take that seriously.
0: Yeah. No, I, I like the saying, like fall down seven times, stand up eight. And like, I'm always going to keep standing up and things like that. And mm-hmm. my, my whole goal personally is just to kind of space these out, the kind of gaps, kind of get some good years and get some gaps because it just sucks, man. And like, when you go through it, like, and then, like you have a hospitalization and then six months later you're back there. And it's like, that's not the way to kind of live. So I'm really glad you got some, um, some good time or some, st- some stability time on your, under your belt now. And you can kind of get through this and I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I I may not be like in the same state as you. I'm on the other side, but I'm kind of on the same high alert kind of thing. Like I need to be aware and just practice that self-awareness and really dig into my routines and take, you know, do everything I can because this is kind of high season right now and um, Mm -hmm. high risk season right now for me. So yeah, man, it's so refreshing to meet somebody else who has kind of bipolar one who has kind of a similar experience, man. It's really kind of why I kind of started this podcast and why I kind of started being active on social media and things like that and really kind of trying to build community. is really the power of technology. You can kind of build friendships and build and meet people from all walks of life. It's really tough because sometimes it's tough to find people in your own neighborhood are going through the same thing, but with the power of technology, we can kind of meet people across the world now. So I'm really glad we had the time to connect. So no, um, speaking <laughs> of social media, like where can people find you and where, what's kind of a, an outlet for you that you kind of like to, to broadcast on? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny, you, you,
1: we are mentioning this right now because I started my page you know, pretty much full-blown hypomanic. You know, leading into my last hospitalization, I started it in end of mm-hmm. June, and I was hospitalized six weeks later. Um, but now mm-hmm. I, I really this past you know year, you know, 2023, I, I feel like you know, it's more than just social media to me. It's not about being addicted, but it's about just making people aware. You know, being a different sounding board for people. And it's my form of journaling, you know, I'm not a writer. I don't, I'm, that's not my style at all, but you know, my, pos, my posts are just expressions of how I feel, um, yeah. and, uh, what I'm going through the moment and just whatever, you know, vibes with me right now that I want to, that I want to expose to people. Um, so yeah, my, uh, my tag is, uh, only on IG, uh, only on Instagram. Okay. It's uh, bipolar underscore real talk again a bipolar underscore real talk um yeah just shoot me a follow you know and you know like jonathan different perspective you know and i have one as well so
0: nice yeah man i'll I'll include that in the show notes for people to kind of click on and tag on and maybe and find your page and just kind of watch your progress and watch your journey grow so Mm -hmm. Uh, Andrew thank you so much for your time today man well that will conclude another episode I uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in today and listening and uh, yeah this one really flowed well and I'm hoping to connect with Andrew again in the future and maybe have him on again down the line and see how he's doing uh, maybe in the wintertime or next year, next year this time this year so alrighty guys have a great day if you're listening in the car or wherever you're listening to uh, thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next time All right, stay blood. thanks Andrew I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Lifting with Bipolar Stay connected with me directly through jonathansharko.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at jonathansharko. As always, thank you for pushing your mindset and heart towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to please leave a review of the podcast, as well as subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, be kind to yourself and each other.